Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. People have always wondered about joy. They said, you know, Alan, is she always that sweet? Is she, I mean, is, is that really, is that really, yeah, it really is. She really is. And uh, that's, a, that's a good thing for me. And uh, in fact, uh, she is sweet and kind to people. The only thing I have noticed is that she's become impatient with people who drive slow in the left lane. <laughs> I have influenced her. Uh, but she'll make uh, appointments sometimes with service people like to, to fix something or come out to the house. And she's so sweet. And when they make an appointment, she's so effusive in her thanks. I told Joe, I said, you're positioning us wrong. I said, if they're going to cancel on anybody, they're going to cancel on you. Because you're the sweetest thing they've talked to all day. And it's like, oh, we'll cancel on this lady. She's the sweetest thing. I said, the positioning is wrong. So this, this morning, I want to talk about positioning. And I'll talk about how, especially how we position God and elevating God. But positioning really, if you think about it, it, it applies in different areas of our life. It applies in the areas of, um, well, in sales. I was in sales for 15 years before we started the church here. And in, in sales, they have something called commission breath. And that's when you haven't sold anything and you're hitting the end of the month or the end of the quarter and you haven't made your numbers and you're, you're starting to breathe your commission breath on people to get a sale. And you gotta make this sale and you get needy. A better position is to have all your numbers met and you're very calm, you're very collected, yeah, take it or leave it. And uh, it positions you better in sales. In relationships, how many of you know it's a whole lot better to be positioned where you're not begging, where you're the one who's giving? And I don't, I don't need, when you have somebody, I need you, I need you, I need you. A stronger position is I need you because I love you and I want to give to you. I want to input into your life. Amen. That's a stronger position. Parenting, what parenting is all about positioning. A true story, a man was on a business trip. I think he's from Chicago. He was flying back in. It was a summer evening. He was flying back in. They had horrible thunderstorms around there. Delayed his flight. He got home, he's two hours late, he got home, he's tired, just wanted to go to bed, and he walks into his bedroom, and his wife is there, and his four-year-old and six-year-old boy are in bed with his wife sleeping. The storm must have scared them, and, and so he just shut the door, went, went to bed on the couch. Next morning, he had a discussion with the boys. He said, son, both of you are now, you're four and six. You are old enough to sleep in your own bed. That's daddy's bed. Only daddy sleeps with mommy. Nobody else sleeps with mommy. You're old enough. And the little guys nodded their head. Two weeks later, he's on another trip. When he comes back, this was, this was pre-9-11. Anybody remember the days when you could actually go to the gate and meet somebody? Well, there at the gate, the big flight, a lot of people there. He's a tall guy. He said when he came, when he came out of the, he's coming up to the gate, he said that, uh, his four-year-old saw him. His four-year-old was one of these guys that just got a big voice and a, just an exuberant kid. And he sees his dad and he goes, hey, dad, guess what? And the father says, what? And the little guy's walking towards that same loud voice. Nobody slept with mommy while you were gone this time. <laughs> he said the whole gate just went quiet. <laughs> they looked at the boy 
They looked at the dad, and then they were breaking their necks trying to find where the mom was. In the, in this. <laughs> parenting is all about positioning. L- let me help you, parents. Let me, let me give you a parenting tip. It's going to make me highly popular, but I'm, I'm used to this. You want to position yourself as a parent that you are parent first, friend second. Amen. I often hear parents say, well, I'm my child's best friend. We have become our children's best friend, but while they were under our roof, we were the parent first. And that means, why? Because if you're trying to be their friend, there'll be things that that friends don't say. Like, you can't go here. You can't go out with them. You have to be home by this time. Put your phone up. Things along those lines, those are parenting calls. And sometimes parents make calls to best friends. Like, well, I I need to be my child's friend. Listen, when when they're gone, when they're out of the house, that's when your role changes and you become the friend. And I've got three, we've raised them, and they're out of the house, and they need parents. And that's not always a popular role. I, I, I told Joy, I said, I am willing to be highly unpopular for a while. I said, in order to, to give my kids the parameters and the boundaries that they need in life. And guys, we need parents today more than any other time. Because you're dealing, if you're a parent today, you're dealing with things I never dealt with. Because social media was not a voice into my life or my children's life when I was raising my kids. And it's now become a voice. And so this is when we need parents to rise up and go, this is what we're gonna do, this is right, this is not. And I, I wanted to say this, and I, wanted, I want you to hear me from a pastor's heart, because I have a concern from this. There's a lot of pressure coming on parents to make decisions about their children's gender that's putting undue pressure on parents. Parents, You have the ability to look at your child and say, you don't get to make the decision on your gender while you're here under my roof. If you, listen, if you can't. If you're not old enough to drink, drive, and vote, you're not old enough to choose your gender. And this is why they need parents. Listen, guys, a lot of our kids can't choose what lunchbox they want, much less. (laughs) what gender they want. And my concern is we haven't seen the data on the health and the adaptability of these kids who make these decisions early on and what happens down the road. Now, you may not be the most woke parents on the block, but you at least can help your child make godly decisions. They can help them, and that when they're on their own, they can make their own decisions. So, I said, well, Alan, what do I do? I said, well, well, when your child was born, there wasn't any confusion. The child came out and the doctor said, it's a boy or it's a girl. Whatever they said, stick with that. And, and then that will, that will help them down the road. Now, here, let me be very clear on this. Alan, are you against transgender people? Can transgender people come to this church? They can absolutely come to this church and we will love them and minister the love of Jesus Christ to them. So I, I want to be clear on that. But I don't believe an eight-year-old has the ability to make a life-altering decision. And so this is when parents can rise up and be parents. Don't write me any emails. My mind's made up on this. We're, we're, we're done. So for those of you who have not mentally checked out, let me go on to our next point. We talk about positioning as parents, as relationships, but we also need to talk about where do we position God? Where is he positioned in our life? You know, with some people, God is emergency help. 
everything's cool until all hell busts loose, and then break glass in case of emergency. And that's when people go to God. Say, well, is that wrong? Well, it, it's, not, it's not the best. And will he help you? Yeah. But there's a higher level of relationship. For some people, God is an add-on. Their lives are so busy, they got all this stuff, and oh yeah, we've got God. But God deserves to be in an elevated position, Amen. an exalted position. He is God, and he's worthy of our praise and worship and to be exalted. You know, Timothy Keller, it was pastor, he still may be in Manhattan, New York. He said in 1970, a, a teacher shared an illustration he said that changed his life. Teacher said, the distance, if we took the distance between the sun and the earth, and we reduced it, which is 92 million miles, and we reduced it to the thickness of a piece of paper. He said the distance, so this represents 92 million miles. He said the distance between the earth and the nearest star to us would be a stack of papers over 70 feet high. He said the diameter of our galaxy would be a stack of papers 310 miles high. And yet our, our galaxy is a speck in the universe. But the scriptures say that Jesus holds all things. He holds the universe together by the word of his power. And then the teacher said to the, to the students, now someone who holds the universe together, who created the universe, who created the heavens and the earth, he said, do you invite someone like that into your life to be your assistant? He said, it, it, it dawned on him. Jesus deserves to be magnified, exalted, lifted up. David said it this way. He said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. When we say exalt, we won't use the word exalt as much. It means to elevate. It means to lift up, to magnify God. We're not making God bigger than he already is, but we're making him bigger in our life when we talk about and worship him and talk about how big he is. He deserves to be in an elevated position. There's a great story in the Bible. It's an unusual story about the, the nation of Israel when they came out of, of Egypt. Remember, they were slaves for about 430 years. And when they came out of Egypt, they were... Uh, man, the, Moses led them through the Red Sea. God did miracles, fed them, water out of the rock, amazing miracles. But now they're on their way to the promised land and they get attacked by a group of people called the Amalekites. But watch what happens next. Read the story here. Now, Amalek came and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men to go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'll stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone, they put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is My Banner. Interesting story. Here the word, the Israelites minding their own businesses, traveling, they're on their way to the promised land, they get attacked, which is a great metaphor for our life. In life, even though God has delivered us out and when we get saved, we're delivered out of darkness and yet we still have challenges. 
He said, I'm going to go to the top. Moses said, you, you pick some guys and go fight. He said, I'm going to go to the top of the hill with the rod of God. Now, the rod of God, if you remember with Moses, the rod of God was what God began to talk to him about early on. And he said, what's that in your hand? He said, a rod. This is from the burning bush. He said, throw it down. He threw it down. It became a snake, picked it up again. It became a rod. And uh, it was the same rod that he struck the, the waters of the Nile. They turned to blood. He stretched his his rod over the Red Sea, it split. You say, do you believe all the, Alan, do you believe all those things really took place? I absolutely believe they took place. Listen, you know why I believe that? Because I believe Genesis 1-1. Genesis 1-1 said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you believe that, the rest of the Bible is easy. And so he, he took this rod and the rod represented the power and presence of God. And when the power and presence of God was raised up, Israel won. And when the power and presence of God was down, Israel lost. And so raised up, they're winning. Down, they're not winning. So Aaron, man, you get tired doing this. Only hold your hands up for just so long. And Aaron and her came with him and sat beside him and held his hands up. And they were able to hold his hands. And as long as his hands were up, they were able to win. And, and God gave them a great victory. His hands were lifted up. Hamalek was defeated. But then Moses did something very interesting. The Lord said, take this information and write it in a book and recount it for Joshua. There's something about us as, as humans. We, we have a tendency to forget. Have you ever noticed that? God can do some great things for us and we forget about it. We're like, oh yeah, God did do that for me. I, I, I've started doing something this year. Joy started first. And uh, <laughs> I started doing this year. I started keeping a, a, a thankful journal. And every night, every night before I go to bed, I write down things I am thankful for that day. And two, it helps me a couple of things. One, it helps me remember to be thankful for all the good things God does. Hey, if you made it through another day, you ought to write, lived another day. But it also helps when you go back and look. And sometimes you can forget that God delivered me from this and he helped me with this and he strengthened me here. It's good to go back and recount this and go, you're the same God then as you are now. You will help me with this next situation. So it's good to recount it in the book. And then he built an altar to the Lord and he called it, the Lord is my banner. Well, actually that name me is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my victory. An altar was a place where they would connect with God, where they would remember. They would say, God gave us victory here. But it's also the first time we see one of God's redemptive names used, Jehovah Nisi. There are seven redemptive names of God, God's relationship towards mankind. The Lord, my victory. The Lord, my shepherd. The Lord, my provider. The Lord, my healer. The Lord, my righteousness. The Lord, my peace. The Lord is present. And he revealed himself, this is who I am to mankind. And so Moses connected right there with God. You are my victory. How do you exalt God? How do you bring him to a higher place? So let me give you three things. Here, here's the first one. We choose to place God in an elevated place. In other words, it's a choice. We choose to magnify him. You say, well, how do I magnify God? Anything you talk about and think about gets bigger to you. You ever had a problem that you were facing that you just talked about and talked about and talked about and talked about? You notice it didn't get smaller, it got bigger. Well, how about this? You ever been car shopping? You ever pick a car like, I'm going to get this kind of car, I'm going to get this kind of truck. And after you say, oh, man, I'm going to get this kind of truck, you see a hundred of them out there on the road. 
They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They were there all the time. But you started to magnify them and focus on them, and they became more prevalent in your life. Well, you know, in the same way, we can magnify God, and one of the greatest ways we can do it is with praise and worship. This is what David said again. David was a great worshiper. He said, you are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. Listen, guys, the songs we sing in here before the message are not just a prelude to the message. They are a time that we worship God and exalt him, and when you lift him up, he lifts you up. It's a winning position, and when you're praising and worshiping him, that's doing something good in you. This is a little-known story, but in uh, World War II, when they began to ration all kinds of, of precious uh, metals and, and steel and all, all kind of raw goods, it really hurt companies in America that had to find something, an alternate, something they could build. Steinway, producer of pianos, started making coffins and glider parts. And then the U.S. Army gave them a commission to make pianos. They were called Victory Verticals. It's a piano, it was 40 inches wide. It weighed 455 pounds. And they would actually crate them and parachute them into the, into the different uh, theaters where they were, into Europe, into, into Africa, and into um, the Pacific Theater. They dropped 2,500 pianos into the troops. And the, because here's what they knew. They knew the troops would gather around them and sing. They knew that there would be used for worship. And if the U.S. Army recognizes that music is important, how much more should we recognize that music is important? Listen, the Beatles and Taylor Swift did not invent music. It was God who invented music. And it's God who uses music, and you can exalt him. You say, Alan, I can't sing. No one said you had to record. Just sing to the Lord. And just, but when you're doing that, what are you doing? You're exalting him. You're elevating him. You're beginning to declare, God, this is who you are in my life. That's a big thing. How's another way we can elevate God? Well, here's our second one. Recognize you're going to need to have your hands strengthened. We all need to have our hands strengthened. Aaron and her held up Moses' hands. You need God's word and God's spirit to hold your hands up. You need that. That can strengthen you. That's why I'm always on you. Read your Bible. Confess God's word. The Holy Spirit can help you. It is strengthening you. It is help. Here's another thing. We also need people around us who can encourage us and remind us that God is good and he's elevated and he's big. And so we need those. When I was in, years ago when I was, uh, when I first came back to the Lord, we're talking 1981. I used to go out on the streets with a group from Lakewood and we would go down to Montrose on Friday nights and street witness. That was an eye opener for me. And we would go down there. And so one night after witnessing, I got together with my buddy, Eddie. Eddie and I went to Denny's and we're sitting around at Denny's. It was open. We were talking and we had both just come back to the Lord. And I, I remember Eddie looked at me. He said, Alan, he said, this is a different life for me. He said, I'm not used to this, man. I'm used to walking in the bar and I never walked out alone. Eddie was about 6'4", broad-shouldered. He looked like Hollywood. You might remember Billy D. Williams. Eddie made Billy D. look like second-rate, man. Eddie would walk in and he's like, man, I walk into a bar, I never walked out alone. I nodded my head like I knew what he was talking about, but I, <laughs> I he's, he's, he's just such a handsome guy. I knew if I ran with Eddie, I'm getting seconds. But... Uh, <laughs> Eddie, Eddie, we, we begin to talk with one another. 
and we begin to talk about our past life, but then we begin to shift and say, you know what? It doesn't matter what was in our past life. I want to live for God. I want to do something for God. And we begin to lift up one another's hands. You need people around you who love God, who, who can lift your hands. And here's the, here's the good news. Two years ago, I ran into Eddie. We were in a restaurant and I saw him and he saw me. And we hugged and talked and just reconnected and he's still married, got a couple of kids. I think he's a grandfather and he's still living for the Lord. That blessed me so much. That helped me so much because we had lifted one another's hands and he's still doing good. Now, if you're out there thinking, Alan, I got nobody to lift my hands. I'm all alone or I have people, nobody in my family loves, you know, the Lord. I'm just all by myself. There's no one who lifts my hands. This is my job. This is what I do. When you come in here, it is my job to tell you that God is good, that he is real, that he will never leave you or forsake you, that he can do amazing things in your life. And it's our job to lift your hands. So you got somebody. You say, well, man, we need to get together. Listen, this is the best me you're going to get. You sit down with me over coffee, you're going to find out just how boring I am. Now, this is the best me you get. But this is the me that God gifted to tell you that God's got something good for your life. And to lift your hands. We need to recognize that. And here's our third thing. If we're going to elevate God in our life, the last one is this. Connect with God as your victory. Connect with God as your victory. We say, what do you mean by that, Alan? That means whatever you're battling with, whatever are the Amalekites in your life, God, Jesus beat them. Amen. Say, well, I'm dealing with addiction. Jesus beat that. I'm dealing with anxiety. Jesus beat that too. I'm dealing with depression. He beat that. He beat sickness. He beat death. He beat fear. He beat oppression. He beat everything that the world and the enemy can flow against you. He said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He did that for us. He, he is still our victory. And in fact, I love this verse in, in 2 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory through our relationship with him. Don't talk defeat. Don't talk failure. Don't talk you can't because Jesus is still your victory and he is still the victory in your life. Today, when I go home, I say, what are you going to do when you go home, Alan? But today, I am going to eat pasta and meatballs that Joy has made. I'm back in the pulpit. She is back in the kitchen. Glory to God. Y'all ain't near as excited about it as I am. I'm like, ooh. But then after, you say, what, what are you going to do after? Are y'all going to sit down and talk about really spiritual things? No. Today, I'm watching football all day long. All day long. It's rainy. What a perfect day to watch football. But you know, you know something about all four teams who are in there? There's no old quarterbacks in there. All the goats are gone. Tom Brady, the goat, greatest of all time. He ain't there. Aaron Rodgers, he's not there. And you know, I give Tom Brady credit. He's 45 years old. Joy, you know what Joy told me? She, she critiques my message. She said, I, I wouldn't talk about Tom Brady what if he's watching? <laughs> I'm like, really? 
Tom, if you're watching, send some of the millions you have left right here. <laughs> but, but here's the deal. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, these are, these are quarterbacks. You know, quarterbacks age out. Tom was good for, for a while. He's done. Unless the Texans pick him up, please. No. <laughs> but quarterbacks age out. Meg Ryan. Anybody remember Meg Ryan? Sleepless in Seattle. You got mail. In the 90s, they called Meg Ryan America's sweetheart. Nobody's calling her to do a rom-com now. Actresses age out. Blackberry was the hottest phone in the 90s. They're gone. Quarterbacks age. Actresses age out. Companies fail. Countries rise and fall. But the God who said, I am your victory, if he was that then, he is that now. He never changes. He never fails. He is the same God. He is still bringing victory. And he can bring victory in your life. He's never the God that was. He is the Lord, our victory. A number of years ago, they had a great uh, commercial on, I, I'll never forget it. It was, you got the backstory of a young man who came from a culture, he's living in America, but he came from a culture where they did arranged marriages. You familiar with that term, arranged marriages? That's where, it's, in, in some nations, they still, the, the parents get together and choose the choose the, the marriage, the bride and groom. And sometimes I think, never mind. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's part of that culture. And as you hear the backstory, he's, he's begrudgingly going to the airport to meet for his arranged bride. And he really didn't want to do it. And because he's living in America, things have changed. And you see him standing there. He's waiting for, he's got some flowers in his hand. He looks like a man about to go to his death sentence. He's like, he looks like, Oh my God. And then they show his bride-to-be walking uh, through the airport. And she is beautiful. She is drop-dead gorgeous. And all of a sudden, <laughs> this brother brightens up. He's like, oh man. All of a sudden, this wasn't going to be a drudgery. This was going to be a delight. He's looking forward to marrying this girl. What happened? He saw her. He saw her. When you worship God, you begin to get glimpses of how good he is, how much he's loving, how kind he is, how much his power is toward those of us who simply believe. And when you begin to exalt him, you begin to get just a, a, a glimmer of God's really, really good. If you've been dragging yourself to church, if it's a drudgery, dragging yourself to serve God, dragging yourself to read your Bible, listen, you begin to worship God and give him praise and honor and you begin to see him for how good he is and how beautiful he is, the drudgery goes away. It becomes a delight because you realize, oh, I've got a good God. I've got a good God. This is good. And God will be good to you. Would you bow your head with me for a moment? You came on a rainy Sunday or you're watching online. But if you came and said, you know, Alan, I made the effort to get here, but I cannot say in my heart that I know that I'm right with the Lord. I know that. Maybe you've never made him the Lord and Savior of your life, or maybe you realize you've gotten so far away from him. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you get up or come down to the front. But sitting right there in your chair, you can make a connection with the Lord who is your victory. Set your bowed and eyes are closed, no one looking around. We're going to say a prayer. If you say, Alan, that's me. 
I want to be sure about my relationship with the Lord or I, I want to come back. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up real quickly across this auditorium? Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to, but you didn't. But you can pray this prayer with us from your heart. We're going to pray with you as a church family. If you're watching online, if you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. But pray this with us. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heads are still bowed, eyes are closed just for a moment. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer who stepped out of spiritual darkness into the light. And for those who've come back home, we rejoice with them. And Lord, I thank you for those who know you, who are walking with you. Thank you. As we elevate you, we can begin to see you for your greatness and your majesty and how awesome you are and how much you love us. What a difference that makes. We give you all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.